Dear Ann Landers, my husband Dear and I Abby, are in shock. I'm extremely upset. My son got married in Dear Ann Landers, I'm very happy to hear that his wife is working out of a woman here at She thinks way too much of herself. She had to get married. Dear Pod. I was watching a lot of 9 11 stuff around the anniversary. Sure. And here's the thing, YouTube. If you're going to throw an ad in the middle of a heavy 9-11 documentary, please make the ad appropriate to the situation. Like, what was that? cultivate your, your, your ad to, <laughs> to content ratio. Because I'm in the middle. It was like, and that's when I found out that my dad was on United 93. Craisins is a great thing to have in your salad. With craisins, you'll find a burst of delicious energy. And you're like, so yeah, then when he called, that was the last time I ever heard from him. I was like, oh my God. No. Choose your ad space wisely. That being said, Dear Pod is brought to you by craisins. Isn't it a wonderful thing to have in your salad? Yeah. <laughs> and by Pretty Woman, the female-driven musical. Being done in theaters across the nation. <laughs> brought to you entirely by men. I thought you said brought to you in Thailand, which actually, that <laughs> might be the sense. kind of the perfect place for right. it. <gasps> I didn't know. I never saw it. It kind of came and went. Oh, Thailand? literally. No, Pretty Woman. Oh, right. It came and went. I just didn't know. I don't know. It's like, I don't think I'd even watch Pretty Woman again. The movie? Yeah. I will, whenever it's on. I watched the, you know, they, what was it, like uh, Netflix or Hulu, and they're like, movies that we loved. And they give. And then they, like, spend, like, an hour kind of just, like, rehashing things either you sort of already knew. Yeah. Like Pretty Woman. But, you know, it's like, we can't be retroactively woke. Can we just appreciate the time in which these things existed? I agree. Like, the thing is, I, Goonies wouldn't be made now. Look at all the wrong shit in Goonies. They keep a guy who has issues uh-huh. chained in the basement, uh-huh. and they'll throw him a plate of food every now and then. And he likes a baby roof. Well, who doesn't? I mean, I'm not saying I don't like Pretty Woman. I'm saying I didn't like the musical. Oh, okay. Um, I don't think it needs to be re-examined. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, yeah, I don't think you can reinvent the wheel. No, with the content being. I what told, it is. And the thing is, it could still happen now. <coughs> As I said, it does happen on the upper hookers side. Hookers could fall in love with. Oh, we're not supposed to say hookers anymore. What are, are sex workers? Yes. Okay. SWs. Sex workers can, but. But now it's like they probably make more money than a lot of. Oh my God! Than their clientele. Yeah. Like, Why the fuck would I get in your car? I Mine's don't want right you, here. John. Exactly. Dick. She's like a Lamborghini. What is this? 1986 Grandpa. <laughs> she gets in her Bentley and like squeals away. They're no fools. I She's know like, they this make is good dirty money. And throws a new fur out. Believe me, if I had something to peddle, I'd be right there with them. Yeah. Shilling my wares. Hey, mister, you want to see a 13-year-old boy topless? That's me. You're the guy I'm about to in half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I mean, look, I already do Harlequin romance novels. If, if like, sex hotlines were still a thing, I'd be making a mint. Ugh. 
I know. Wouldn't that just be amazing? Bring back the 900 number. Let's get real vintage. Seriously. I would be on there all... I'd be like, hey, uh, this is... I don't even know what the fuck my name would be. What would that be like? Storm Surge. There's your name. Hey, this is... No, just Storm. Like Shadow Steven. No, but Surge is more sexy. uh, This is Storm Surge. Mm. That sounds gross. Um, Now I just sound like Keith Morrison from Dateline. Do you ever ever watch Dateline with Keith Morrison? That voice, there are certain voices that can't do certain things. I was like, why are you, why do you sound like you're making sexy sounds as this person's explaining how they murdered their husband? He's like, "Mm." oh, is this the guy with the earring and like, it always looks like. No, he doesn't have an earring, I don't think. With the white hair? Oh yeah, he has an earring? I think so. Keith Morrison's earring? Doesn't that sound like a grunge band? And then he kind of goes up in the storyline. Yes. But then he didn't come home with the cookies. So what you're saying is it was the boyfriend who did it? (laughs) Meanwhile, Dateline's like, Keith, can you speed it up for Christ's sake? This is three and a half hours long. Uh, Keith, can I uh, see you in my office for a second? Yeah, sure. The first rough cut is longer than the rough cut of Gone with the Wind. It is an hour-long show. what you're saying is... Speed it up. It's longer? Are you are you are you are you choking on a gummy worm? No, I just need to go because Brian Adams is waiting for me to go through the drive-through. Oh, murder! <laughs> he just ends every sentence. Murder. I listen to him all the time, though. Find it very relaxing. Puts me right to sleep. His voice is like a lava lamp. Oh, I didn't know that's what happened. It's a thing. So hey, uh, big big week this past week. I'll tell you why. Why? Me and Jules celebrated 10 years of wedded bliss. 10 years of Ten marriage. Years. And then what, 14 together total? Uh, 12, uh, I, I think, question mark. I don't know. Oh. It, it's, you know, it, it's flexible, that first date. It's like, when did we really? I don't know. Um, yeah, so about 12 years together, 10 years married. We went into the Catskills. Speaking of murder, we pulled murder. up to this place. We were at the Deer Mountain Inn, which I cannot endorse enough. Deer awesome. Mountain. Deer Mountain. Deer Mountain. We we like to think Deer Mountain, Deer Baby, Deer Pod, Mountain Inn. <laughs> Anything that begins with deer. And we pulled up. I mean, like, when you go up to this place, it's in the mountains. So once you get up there, you're in for the night. And as soon as we pulled up, I was like, why are there so many cars here? So there were like 10 or 11 cars. And I was like, murder mystery. This is the kind of place where a murder mystery happens. They're like, don't tell us your name. Tonight, your name will be Miss. Ah, oh, Mrs. Peacock. <laughs> I don't. I did just. I. I did. Wait, you know, I had a maid, but you know, she left, and this soup is absolutely delicious. You know what? I ate monkeys. Br- is that what we ate? Sit. <laughs> I would one hundred percent be Mrs. Peacock in this. I think it'd be um, Mr. Green. I tell, did tell Jules. I was like, if a murder mystery happens here tonight, you know you're being murdered. Yeah, he's Mr. Body. Oh, he Mr. Body's is. Mr. body. It's gone. What? <laughs> so good. So we had a good time, but then we uh, we went hiking the next day. Jules and I, not hiking people. We thought we were going on like a casual hike. We weren't dressed for this. Like we had sneakers on, but but Jules had like a long waffle sleeved, long uh-huh. sleeved shirt sure. and like heavy jeans. It, like we didn't. Set out to hike the what do you way mean, we heavy thought. Heavy jeans, a heavy jean, like, like a it was like thick bedazzled. denim. Oh, okay. 
Yes. Well, there were bell bottoms, and uh-huh. the bottom half and then was, was a all... chain belt <laughs> and a wallet chain. Just really weighed down from the waist down, is what I'm saying. He just came back from that No Doubt tribute band, so yeah, yeah. He's just a girl. Yeah. And we just weren't. We were the guy. The way the guy made it sound, he was like, "Oh, it's like a half mile in and a half mile up, and you know, it's it's the falls, and the falls are gorgeous, and they are Catterskill Falls. Oh my God!" But to get there makes you shit your pants. I'd like that. Now, again, not hikers. If you were to tell me I had to buy something at Patagonia, I'd be like, no, well, well, end of conversation. We're done. Okay. I take it you don't like Patagonia. I'm I'm sure she's a lovely girl. Mm -hmm. I'm not. She's not my style. Patagonia sounds like she's got a sister named Portia. Why did you just say it with like a little bit of an Italian accent? Do you know you just did that? What? You're like, Patagonia. (laughs) <laughs> I was just going to battle the phone on the way here. <laughs> Listen, Gianna De Laurentiis. It's spaghetti, bitch. Say it. Say it. Spaghetti. I'm going to take this opportunity now. Are you ready? We're never okay. here when it's dark out. It feels very dark right now. feels very it? year one. Very, oh, I know. Vintage. <gasps> Welcome to the Vintage Podcast. Oh, my God. Year one and already we're on year one and a half. Three. Damn it. Welcome to Dear Pod, the comedy advice podcast. I'm your host, Shia LaBeouf. And I'm Kate Bush. And we're coming to you from the Maha'a Bar in the beautiful Pineapple Ranch. Can I hear it? Play the five tones. Excuse me. It's you okay. before and after Chipotle. Oh, Sorry, I just had that cauliflower pizza. It's actually my voice in the morning and my voice at night. <laughs> like, hey, everybody, go to, oh, welcome to Dear Pod. <laughs> and this week, like all weeks, we're bringing you the advice articles of Ann Landers and Dear Abby. That's right, my voice is in the gutter because it's late tonight. We are mixing up. The advice articles of Ann Landers and Dear Abby. We're rolling them in flour and then we're putting them in the oven to bake at 350 for 22 minutes. That's right. We are reading their articles. So what are you waiting for? Follow us on your social media. At Dear Pod Official on your Instagram, your Twitter, your face place. We have a website, did you know? DearPodOfficial.com. You know oh, I, where you can uh, yes. binge every last episode if you if you need a more direct route to our episodes. But you should really be rating, reviewing, and subscribing on Apple because damn it, that pushes us up the charts. Subscribe, damn it. Give us a little review. Send us some love. Just please. a heart. Just a heart. Anything. Thumbs please. up. Don't make me make the whiny kid voice. Don't. You can email us, dearpodofficial at gmail.com. Every week we take listener mail advice questions that we will answer on the air. We are completely unqualified to do so. Correct. And if you're looking for jackass advice, then damn it, we are your number one stop. This is it. This is it. This is all you got. We're the general store in the middle of the woods. We're like going to Kate and Alley for advice. We got one box of tampons and one thing of dish soap. That's That's right. as good as it's going to get. And some novelty jams. Meet us in the basement, basement laundry room. <laughs> so do it, baby. Email us, dearpodofficial at gmail.com or slide into our DMs at dearpodofficial. We have a YouTube page where all of our episodes are going up as well as video clips which are being integrated into our genius podcast here. That is YouTube. Check out the Dear Pod 
YouTube page. And finally, and most importantly, God, there's so much business today. Patreon.com slash official. That's right. For a mere three or five dollars a month, you can be a subscriber and get extra little tidbits in your email every week from us. Little things like cocktail recipes and photos and clips and bits and nips and all kinds of sexy things. Basically, you give us money and we we'll give, give you, you the some. world. <laughs> you give us 22 minutes and we'll give you 10, 10 wins. Is that, is that you nothing. It is. Of course it is. I listen to it all the time. Oh, okay. I love her. Um, now, this is awkward because she's not a Patreon subscriber, but she is a cast member. So we have a very special shout out today. Are you ready? No. Oh, you should be. It's a week late because that's how I roll. Oh. Because we didn't want to attach this to the cremation episode. I think it would be bad form to say, happy birthday to my mother. Happy. Happy birthday, Moth! That's right. The dulcet tones of my mother that you hear every third or fifth episode. She is celebrating a day of birth. Another trip round the sun, September 26th. I have a mental block against her birthday for some reason. I always think it's the 24th. Huh. And I don't mean to brag, but there was a time when my brother was doing really well and I was um, <laughs> not um, financially. Oh, And uh, he, well, mentally... No, it's still kind of the same. Okay. Uh, he gave her as a gift for her birthday. It was like a big birthday. I don't know what it was, but um, he gave her a cruise to what? Alaska, and it was just he didn't tell me that that was what was gonna happen, mm-hmm. and he should have. Because you gave her a Charleston chew, <laughs> Patty. I gave her a box of specialty jelly beans. And you're like, this costs a lot. And they weren't even Jelly Belly. They were like Red Door, like Elizabeth Arden's Jelly Beans. They were weird. They were weird. They showed up late. They were stale. They were strange. It was like I gave her Birdie Bots every flavor beans. I was like, this one tastes like booger. <laughs> Happy birthday. Erin, <laughs> this is like vomit. That's a vomit bean. It's supposed to be. Yeah. Half it's a garbage pal kid. Jelly bean collection. Surprise. It's like playing Russian roulette with your taste buds. You don't know if you're going to taste something you enjoy or something that makes you actually vomit. But This tastes like sadness. Yep, that's dad. Yeah, that's that's me. That's my bank account. So enjoy Alaska. At least you could have told me. Why? What was it just to like pull the rug out from underneath? I don't know. I think he's just out to... No, no. I'm going to air this grievance right now. Had he told me. I could have done something like, here's a special thing you can do on board. I definitely would have pivoted from a box of jelly beans, for Christ's sake. Where are you going to pivot to? Like, what are you going to get? Them, At like, least the jelly car? bellies. Well, this week I'm very excited because our themes are many in yes. honor of our very special guest. Because our very special guest this week is Leanne Kreischer. Now, Leanne is a writer, a producer, a a mother, a wife. She is a renaissance woman. She's been an actress. She's also a podcast host. She has her own podcast called Wife of the Party. It is fantastic. I'm very proud to have been a guest of hers. What was the topic of your show? Uh, When I I talked Uh to her, the topic was me. It's just all about me talking about me. Really? There was no specific topic. It was just sort of like we we grab bagged our own thing. We just chatted about a lot of stuff. We talked for two hours. It felt like 20 minutes. Wow. 
Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And she, you can catch it on YouTube, so you can actually physically see the people. I'm okay. Come on. <laughs> do it. I'll wait. I, I'll, I can wait. I saw it. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So she's awesome. And in honor of her presence here on Dear Pod, we decided to pick articles this week that sort of um, scan the range of everything that Leanne is. So, like I said, except for podcast host, because, you know, Ann Landers, Dear Abby, what's a podcast? Exactly. Hadn't been invented yet. Correct. You can bet they would have had a podcast, though, and it would have been really awkward. Well, because they couldn't have done it together. It would have been like trying and to set up Barbara Streisand. We'd have to defibrillate them. Correct. Yeah, once we thaw them out. Yes. So this week we have our targeted grab bag. Um, my articles uh, encompass the theme of mother and wife. Oh. And uh, your articles encompass oh. uh, what theme, Patty? Tell the good people. Writer slash author and southerner. Yes. You took on the good challenge. That's right. She is from Georgia. She's red clay gal. Did you ever go so, to Georgia? Uh, yes, I have performed in Georgia, in Atlanta. What show were you in? Um, multiple. I've been there a few times. Oh, okay. And uh, I remember going when I was in high school and like with the show choir. And then they took us to the Coke factory and my life changed forever. Oh, it was a fun time. I bet. Bringing a bunch of preteens and teens Burp, to- Charlie! <laughs> <laughs> I can't go back there. The most disgusting cinematic moment ever. Boop, Charlie. And it felt like he got real excited about that. That's I thought he was going to fucking throw up. <laughs> they both were going to throw up. The sounds were disgusting. The sound was like he had a little bit of a chunk. Oh, every now stop. And again. I can't. I can't. We've been down this road already. Okay. I can't. I'm traumatized. Sorry. But yes, I have been to Georgia. I've really only been to Atlanta, haven't I? So a handful I of so. times. And uh, yeah. You've been anywhere? Atlanta. That's it. That's about it. How long were you there? Been there a couple times. I went for a wedding. I went oh. for a visit. And maybe that's it. I enjoyed it. I wasn't there for too long yeah, at any same. given stretch. I feel like I didn't get to see a lot of like the city, city. Exactly. Whatever so I-, I was doing. Oh, but I will say this. This is my friend toured through there. Uh, the Fox Theater, the Atlanta Fox Theater, big, yeah. beautiful, historic theater. My friend was doing a, the musical Cinderella. This oh. was like years ago. And Eartha Kitt was the, the stepmother or whatever. Sure. She was the, I don't know, fairy godmother. I don't know the show. <clears throat> and uh, so Eartha Kitt. Catwoman, fair, in their fair town. And uh, every time the show was over, Eartha would like run out the stage door and sort of like just dash away. And she always had her assistant with her who was like just a little bit behind. And there was a crazy lady outside the stage door. And um, like kind of, she just like would hang around the theater a lot, homeless Mm -hmm. gal. And uh, this one night Eartha came out and ran away and the assistant was not too far behind. And, and the lady, the girl goes, well, huh? who was there? <laughs> and she goes, well, that was, uh, that was, the, it's the cat woman. That's Eartha Kitt. And she goes, no kidding. And she started to run after her. She was going, Ursula, Ursula Cott. Oh no. She ran after her screaming, Ursula Cott. So I don't know if she caught up to Eartha Kitt, but. Uh, uh, she's probably done. That's all I have to say about Atlanta. That and the Coke factory. All right, are you ready? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to give us our first article of the sure. evening? Sure. Very excited. Oh, no. 
This is from the Chillicothe Gazette. Okay. Chillicothe, Ohio. Mm -hmm. September 5th, 1985. Author doesn't speak for all. Dear Abby, who wrote, "'Tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all." Speaking for myself, I would rather not know what I'm missing. I'd be interested in knowing how you feel about it. Signed, three-time loser. Loser! It's a very quick. Okay. Dear TTL, Alfred Lord Tennyson wrote those words, and I agree with him. The opposing philosophy, where ignorance is bliss, tis folly to be wise, was expressed by Thomas Gray. This is not to say that ignorance is always bliss, for in some cases, what you don't know can hurt you. Abby. <sighs> Very heady. I didn't read any Tennyson, but I, I'm aware of that. Because I, I, why would you ever read any Tennyson? I don't. In what read, life? Period. I really don't read either. The really. question is, would is it better to have loved or not at all? Of course, <clears throat> don't you think? I mean, I'd rather feel the pain. I'm going to feel it anyway because I'm an emotional cutter. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to write about? If, you know, what are you going to be what happy? Are gonna, just what are you going to be happy and alone? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the TV show Alone. You don't want to be involved in that. Have you watched Alone? Alone. Alone is a reality show where they drop people in the middle of the woods and then they have to survive for three months. N no. Not naked and afraid. Different. Okay. These people are just alone. So after For I've watched months? a couple episodes of them eating squirrels in the woods, I think it's better to have loved and lost than to ever do the TV show alone. I think that's actually what is, he wrote originally. Are they really alone? Because if there's a camera crew around, they're not No, really. they are alone because they, they are their own camera crew, which must really suck. Like, it's bad enough that I have to build my own house out of turds and whatever I find in the woods, and now I have to film myself doing it. They, they would, they're given their own production kit and then so someone no... has to edit out you taking a shit and farting. oh absolutely which is probably really where the good content i mean lies. really like, yeah that's <laughs> yes that's nice they had, can you imagine the pas that had to go through hours about three months oh my god he went to the bathroom again good god what, what is he, he, he drinking? ate the wrong berries oh god oh god he that's, is so dumb that's his fourth squirrel today back off he's fatty. colorblind that's not a squirrel that is a Skunk. He just ate a skunk. All right. Whatever gets the job done. And um, then he made it into a hat. So when I was looking for, you know, articles on authors, yes. a lot came up from, like, poems. Like, Dear Abby, this poem I memorized from what... But they're always, like, these very sappy, sad, like, precious moments type thing. Oh, yeah. But she regurgitates them for, like, years on end. That Abby does? Yeah, because everyone's like, well, who wrote that? Blah, blah, blah. And then one- Why are they asking her? I guess this is before they had Google. Yeah. Can you imagine just like, you get one chance at Abby printing your article, and it's to ask like, where can I find Encyclopedia Britannica? Where's the, the salt in my kitchen? <laughs> can you come over and find my <laughs> pants? Would you mind? The Encyclopedia- I mean, I don't think kids understand what the Encyclopedia was. That was. That's was how just, I wrote my papers by look, stealing word for word. Do you want to give me? Remember how I gave you music when you explained to kids what it was like to have um, uh, when people would smoke in cars. 
Uh, oh, you mean a, a lighter? Yes, last episode, the lighter in the car. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're like, back in my day, we had lighters in cars. Right. So give me, I gave you background music. Oh, I got to And I'll explain Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> back in my day, we didn't have your Google Tutor machine. There was no asking some guy named Jeeves. We had to go to the library, and we had to ask a woman who looks like she hasn't had sexy sexy time since 1923, <laughs> where I could find information on aardvarks. Aardvarks. That's two A's. That's got to be the first thing in that hair encyclopedia. You'd have to sift through all the information. They only had two pages on aardvarks. That's all. And scene. I, when did they stop making? Do they still make encyclopedias? I don't know. I would love it if an encyclopedia salesman was still out there now. Okay, like so somebody who's really holding on to the past. Like, they're in my car. Well, <laughs> I bring them. Can I interest you in an F? Yeah, an F <laughs> I encyclopedia. Just have F's left. That's all. And I, all I have is F's to give. <laughs> <laughs> so, since my, I've, we've already gone over how old my parents are, so my parents had kind of stopped. At a certain point of updating the encyclopedias. Oh, right. So okay. now I'm in school. Who won the Civil War? Right. <laughs> right. To be continued. <laughs> so all of my information is like dated for like 25 years. Oh Cause no. Because I'm like, let's go to the encyclopedia and look up raccoons or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so like I get my paper back and my just filled with red marks like this is inaccurate no no plagiarized i don't know where you you learned this this about harriet tubman but it's wrong son she is not that (laughs) plagiarized just just stupid and now with the information superhighway well hell is print dead that's the question we will ask of our guest that's like tennyson who's she Lord, you called yourself Lord. Was he? Well, I assume he was knighted. Lord Tennyson. Yeah, probably. I think I just actually named my kid Lord, just to make people not like Lordis Leon. No, that name really confused me when that came out. She was like the first Lordist to me. She was to me. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know any. Do you know another Lordis? I don't think anybody else does. Good Lordis, we're going on and on. Well, here's another article for you. Are you ready? No. Now, my theme with this one is mother. Mother is the theme, everybody. Mother. Okay. Okay. This comes from the Edmonton Journal. Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Because it can't just be Edmonton, Canada. It has to be within a territory. Oh, I didn't know April 30th, 1966. Dear Ann Landers, my husband is 56 years old and he still calls his mother Mommy. And his father, Poppy. We have a teenage daughter whom he ignores. I should add that he doesn't pay much attention to me either. His whole life is wrapped up in his parents. He must see them every single day. After 20 years, I find myself resenting this mommy and poppy business. When we were married, I thought he would outgrow it. But he seems to be getting more childish as time goes by. Am I foolish to let this bother me? I will follow your advice. Signed. Migraine, Martha. (laughs) Dear Migraine, yes, you are foolish to let this bother you. It is a useless waste of energy. You are going to hear Mommy and Poppy as long as his parents live, so get used to it already. How sad that your husband has no interest in his daughter. If she isn't at teens and he ignores her, that won't change either. Until Mommy and Poppy are gone, 
Then he'll probably look to her for affection. But it will be too late. Ayan. I cannot take anybody seriously who refers to their parents with anything Agreed. why. I know. I can't. And especially if you are over the age of nine, there is a very low threshold for mommy. Listen, I, I don't want to be an asshole, but oh. I've been accused of it many times. This is a safe space. <laughs> <clears throat> I just don't. I, but I also don't like mother or father. Oh, that's creepy. Unless it's being done ironically. Like, unless you're fucking around. Right. Or yeah, if, like, yeah. you're in, like, uh, Flowers in the Attic or something like that. Oh, very different. Yeah. Right. If you're doing a production of Flowers in the Attic, the musical, <laughs> right. that's totally cookies, acceptable. Cookies, cookies, what's wrong with Timmy? He Don't had eat too the many powdered cookies. sugar. Why am I so sleepy? That is my Flowers in the Attic. Pr- <laughs> 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 there has to be a panic. It's like the crazy woman that's like, I see people upstairs. <laughs> I see people upstairs. Move along. And Move they don't along, come Tabitha. back down. They don't come back down. <laughs> there used to be a boy up there and he's no longer there. Pay no attention to her. That's the resident kooky lady. She's crazy. Have a cookie. Wait, did you say kooky? <laughs> <laughs> I this is gross. I dated a guy mm. who was in his late 40s. Okay. And he would sincerely call his mother mommy. It creeped me out. I am no longer with him. I was not with him for a very long time. But Why every time he said it, I was like, Ugh! Ugh! because it feels childlike. Yes. It feels like you should have outgrown that. It's like watching an adult suck their thumb. Well, okay. Right? No, no I, I mean, and not get paid for it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Unpaid. Oh. Thumb sucking. Weird. There's something going on there that's like a suspended animation type. Uh, what do you call it when you when you haven't um, grown up? But the thing is, if you watch The Crown and he calls her Arrested mummy, development. Yes. Arrested development. Well, even that feels weird. It doesn't. It doesn't because it's because of the accent. Yeah, kind of like in the South when they're like, Daddy, Big Daddy. Well, that's different. That's also different. That has and a if nice anyone twang. ever called me Daddy, I would uh, probably slit their throat. And you know somebody's called you Daddy. No. I don't. Mm, this week? No. Did uh, they? Uh, I think no. someone was joking with me. I'm like, this is gross. But it's also, it's it's the same thing with the grandparents, too. What? Grandparents' names can get really nutty. Like what? Gumpy. Oh. Um, you know, it's kind of like whatever, but it is also like what the kids hear. That's quirkier. But like a grown man calling his dad daddy, I don't get. No. I don't like it. I don't like it one <clears throat> bit. Um, but yeah, n- n- no. Call oh. my mom mom. Arrested development. That's it what it is. It just seems a little odd to me. And it- you know what, ladies and gentlemen of the pod? Convince me otherwise. Okay. Or, Write to us, dearpodofficial.gmail.com. Yeah, you know? and send us hate mail via Instagram at dearpodofficial. Because, you know, some people hate the name Pat. I hate that Strong. name. Strong. Patty. But I like that name. Wouldn't it be weird if I just said I hate that name to you right now? That'd be fine. <laughs> when I was a kid, all I wanted was a nickname, and you couldn't do anything with Aaron. No, you can't. You can't. I can do nothing with you. I know. There's nothing That's I can Jim do for you. what Jim says every week. Oh, my God. Get this pretzel out of my bed. And Where's my wife? Him, go back in your cage. <laughs> so weird to not have him here to yell at. That's right. We're flying solo tonight, which feels lawless. Jules is not with us in, in, in studio Just tonight. to say, 
you are off track. I know. You're not making sense. Right now, he's not go giving us that go, go ahead finger. Or like the spinny finger. Put it down. Go for a walk. Yeah. Or you've told me that story 20 I've times. I've heard that. I've heard Do you that. know, I actually cleared stories with him today before this. And I was like, I could do the thing where I talk about that. He's like, you did that. You've done that already. I'm like, you come up you with and Patty three yourself. years of quality comedy content. You and, and not Pat repeat re- a story. Repeated. Pat. You call him Pat one more time. I'm going to introduce you to Leanne as Pat. I will. <laughs> well, I'll just be conducting the interview because you'll be murdered. <laughs> All right. Give me an article. Okay. This is from the... Tulare Advance Register, Tulare, California, July 13th, 1997. Dear Abby, It gripes me that there's a continuing tendency in the movies and on television to misrepresent the South. Our part of the country seems to be a favorite lampoon target. If we can't laugh at ourselves, we have no right to laugh at anyone. But there are several common portrayals of Southern life that show enough rile me. Oh! A common mistake that's made by actors and actresses impersonating Southerners is to use the term y'all while speaking to and about only one person. Abby, everyone everyone should know that y'all is a contraction of you all and obviously is plural. If we say y'all to an individual, we are referring to that person and at least one other. We realize y'all like our accent and we appreciate it, but a fake Southern accent is like fingernails on a chalkboard. Do it right or don't do it. Hire a true Southerner to advise. We really can pronounce the letter R at the end of the word. We seldom use the phrase Lil Ol. Few of us go by double first names such as Jim Bob or Billy John. Some of us have never tasted a mint julep or sat in a magnolia tree. A number of us regularly wear shoes, at least in winter, (laughs) and hardly anyone wears overalls anymore. Not to church, anyway. (laughs) Oh, there was I knew there was gonna be an addendum. Except for... Except for every day. (laughs) Tawanda! Indoor plumbing is almost common now, and inbreeding is actually frowned upon in most most circles. Almost. (laughs) Not all. Underlined. I heard of a woman not far from Birmingham who scored above average on an IQ test. Not to brag, but I myself can correctly identify either of those letters three times out of four. Some Southerners don't even like grits. Usually such people are accepted by society anyhow, except at really important affairs. I hope this helps you Yankees, etc., to understand us ignorant Southerners a little bit better. After all, we can't all be fortunate enough to be born north of the Mason-Dixon line. So go ahead and laugh at us, but please do it with respect. Remember that we're trying to understand you too, and we often do. Except when you talk. Y'all come? Sign... Bama Bubba. Dear Bama Bubba, you have stated your case very well, and you have an excellent sense of humor. I'm reminded of the lyric from an old Phil Harris song, and that's what I like about the South. And that's the night the The lights went down in Georgia. Now, I will not lie. When someone starts talking in a Southern accent, I automatically take on that accent when I talk to them. It is a dangerous thing because it looks like I'm making fun of them or I'm trying to be Ruth from Ozark, which I didn't think the Ozarks were south, but that's what Ruth is. Um, She travels. She migrates. It's true. The southern accent is often uh, lumped with being all hillbilly-ish, eating out of cans and stuff like that in a double-wide trailer. It is, Yeah. It's just, it gets a real bad rap. 
I when I do them though, I try to be a little bit more uh, designing women about it. Short little Elizabeth. Yeah, Ashley. there's Evening something. Shade. Not all of them will. Not every Southern accent needs to be getting the ship eat out of it. You know, <laughs> sometimes you got to be lovers, not fighters. Come and sit on my lap and let me tell you a story while you eat these corn grits. <laughs> Not everybody eats grits, according to Hubba Not Bubba. everybody is Paula Dean, you know. Oh, catch, Your favorite racist. Catch my favorite. That's a new show. My favorite racist <laughs> with Paula Dean. Featuring Paula Dean. Well, hi there, everybody. Do you know butter goes well with being canceled? I didn't know I said anything wrong. Like my new makeup, Paula. Who threw that ham at me? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> All right, I got one more article for you. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. Now, my article is based on the theme of wife. That is right, because our special guest is the wife of comedian Burt Kreischer. So this is an article to do with wives. And it comes from the Charlotte Observer, Charlotte, North Carolina, July 7th, 1957. Tell aunt to take her voodoo and go! (laughs) Dear Ann Landers, my wife and I have been married for two years. She married outside her religion. Her parents have been very nice about it, but her maiden aunt persists on filling her head with notions of guilt and horror. Our first child was born last week. The baby is healthy and normal in every respect, but he has a red birthmark the size of a nickel on the side of his face. This aunt has told my wife it's a punishment for marrying outside her religion. Wow. She says the dark red mark is symbolic of the wine she sipped in the other church during the ceremony. She claims the child will carry this mark forever. My wife is ordinarily a smart girl, but this thing has a rocky. Will you please say a word on the subject? If anyone can straighten her out, you can. Signed, Tired Man. You can, a total stranger we've never (laughs) met. (laughs) She won't listen to me, Reason, or her mother. How about this bitch that's in the newspaper? She won't listen to her therapist or logic, but a woman (laughs) with plastered hair who has just a picture of the upper half of her face and who hates the rest of her family seems to be the right person to ask on such a topic. Who's also changed her name. Melt multiple times. All right, now she doesn't even say dear tired man. She goes right in. Ready? Your wife should tell her aunt to pick up her voodoo drums and move on. There's no connection between your child's birthmark and wine sipped anywhere. Birthmarks can happen to anyone. Mary Sunshine is also mistaken on another score. The child needn't carry the mark forever. This sounds like a port wine stain and could probably be completely removed by a good dermatologist. Excellent new techniques have been developed in recent years. Look into this. Ian! I am not having this at all. Bullshit! Mary says she calls her Mary Sunshine. Look, Mary Sunshine, horse shit. Now, um, just just give me a warning if she has like three chicken bones and starts saying my name. She's gonna create a little voodoo doll of Anne. It's gonna have huge hair, big lashes, a little cigarette, a little Paul Mall cigarette. Do you believe in voodoo? No. It scares the crap out of me. I I, I don't know. I, I'm a little I'm very nervous about this kind of stuff. I'm not going to fuck with it. No. Nor would I make fun But see, then that makes you go, I do believe in it. Like, I would not go down to New Orleans and mess with any of this shit. No, I don't want to, like, taunt anyone because whether I believe in it or not, I also don't want them to be like, fuck, none of this works. Get in the cart. We're going to mow him down. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, the chicken bones didn't work and the soup that I made and, you know, the chanting and the burning of the incense. He swallowed that thing whole. My friend lived next door to a, a like a voodoo family mm-hmm. and in, in the suburbs. And he would like hear them performing Santeria, which no, absolutely not. From Sublime? <laughs> yes! I, I would rather hear actual Santeria happening than Sublime any day of the week. Like, if I went to a Sublime concert, I'd be like, somebody bring out a goat and just kill it, because Jesus, this she is awful. She don't practice Santeria. She ain't got no crystal ball. Oh, stop. It's on my... If I had a million dollars, It's I'd... on my, like, 1990 shuffle, and I keep forgetting to, like, get rid of it. That and Corey Feldman's album. I really need to update my Spotify. <laughs> oh, my but God. It's awful. It's just awful. <laughs> But but How like you he would sublime here though. Ew! I don't. I'm sorry to make that leap, you guys. It's it's late at night. I'm riffing. I'm talking about sure. Santeria. Yeah. So he would like hear them performing Santeria. He went in his backyard one day and he saw three chicken bones tied together with a red string, and and he knew that they had like performed a curse on him. They like specifically did something and then threw it over there, like they did something. You do know. I would move if you walked out and you looked at Jim. Do I look thinner than that? That's what you would say. The first. <laughs> Does those chicken bones make me look fat? Do I look thin up against them? Are you ready? Yeah. All right. It's time <laughs> for Instagram mail. Instagram mail. My booty doll's got nothing on it. Don't touch the chicken bones. Instagram mail. Instagram mail, what did you write this week? So we have an Instagram mail question this week. That's right. Get into our Instagram mailbag and we will answer your questions if you have anything you want read on the air. Any advice doled out Instagram at DearPodOfficial. Slide into our DMs or email us old school style DearPodOfficial at gmail.com. Or as I accidentally always put when I'm doing it for my phone, C-mail. C-mail.com. Look at that C-mail. I don't know why that happens, but it does. All right. So we have one Instagram mail question this week. Patois, kick it off. Kick it! Yeah! Dear Pod, I love my husband, but he is a hot mess. He leaves his clothes all over the floor despite the fact that the hamper is a foot away from the bed. He drops his stuff wherever he stands, and I always end up picking up after him. Thank God we have separate bathrooms or I swear we'd be divorced. Any advice on how to get him to pick up after himself? Constantly nagging him doesn't seem to work. Believe me, I've tried. Signed, Living with Babe the Pig. That'll do, pig. (laughs) Dear Living with Babe, I once received a letter like this in the fall of 78 from Porky's Revenge out of New Haven, except it wasn't a wife, it was an irate mother regarding her sloppy teenager. That fall, I received more letters than Super Bowl's Nipplegate. Most had wonderful advice, but they all suggested opening the window and tossing it all out. Out went the flip-flops, Doobie Brothers t-shirts, Wranglers and Ringer tees. So long, headbands, gym socks, and jock straps all went directly into the metal trash can in the alley. When Sonny Boy asked, Hey, where's all my stuff? Mom pointed to the trash. After having the nerve to ask the question, Why? She responded, if you can't respect your own things, then why the hell should I? I clean, press, and bleach out your skids for you. This is the thanks Mm. I get to be treated like Hazel? This ain't a laundromat, and I don't charge by the pound. She said it made her whole day easier just to throw it out. 
Now she could finally watch an entire episode of Ryan's Hope. I mean, why should she care about his things? They aren't hers. Her son was equally shocked when he discovered his wardrobe had been picked through already. Luckily, nothing was taken except for his gym class jockstrap, which we later noticed was tucked into our neighbor Mr. Callahan's front pocket. Nagging doesn't work, but action does. Treat Babe like a kid and throw all of his slops elsewhere. It's your house, too, and you're not his mother. Shove it all into his man cave, bro bar, or testy teepee. You don't have to be Angela Bassett and set it all on fire, although I'm sure you'd want to. His behavior is disrespectful to you, your home, and his belongings. If he wants a housekeeper, then hire one. If he wants his mommy, he can move back in with her. But if he wants to keep his wife, he better transition from babe to stud. Otherwise, he will end up like bacon. Abby. That'll do, pig. That'll do. Peter Gabriel. What the hell are you Peter Gabriel sang the Babe Pig in the City song. Peter Gabriel disappeared from a public eye for like 20 years being like, I'm, I have to go away. I was very successful. And then he's like, I've decided to come back out, come back into the light, be seen by the people. Little do pig. That was his first song back after like years out of the spotlight. Wait, Babe, Pig in the City? Yes. Is that a sequel to Babe? Yes. I didn't watch either one of them. I saw a little bit of Pig in the City, and then I couldn't handle it. It was a little too like, uh, are you really doing this with animals? It, it felt dangerous. Like, what do you mean he got a job at the New York Times? <laughs> I was going to say Nordstrom. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. 401k. Yeah. Opportunity for advancement. I'm just a pig standing in front of my editor. Asking, asking you to hire my me. article. <laughs> <laughs> Look, as a New York Times celebrated author myself. All right, uh, pig. Yeah. That'll do, pig. That'll do, pig. I got, I got my answer. You ready? Oh, no. Dear babe, before I launch into a diatribe about cleanliness and relationships, I would like the record to reflect that the following wisdom applies to members of all sexes. I do not think this issue is exclusive to husbands or men in general. We do not live in a 1980s sitcom where women be shopping and men. <laughs> Am I right, ladies? <laughs> women can be just as disgusting as men. Don't believe me? Walk into any public restroom and you'll see more DNA on floors and toilet seats than an episode of Law and Order. I don't care how you identify, humans are all disgusting creatures. True. That being said, your husband is a slob. It took my jewels years to realize bedroom floors aren't for skid-marked boxer briefs. I swear, every time he would come home, he would start undressing at the door, leaving a trail of jackets, shirts, jeans, socks, shoes behind him. Sometimes it looked like he evaporated out of his clothes. There was one time his shirt, pants, socks, and undies were so perfectly placed on the hallway floor, I thought it was the rapture. After years of nagging and discussions and all-out fights, I was ready to give up. Words alone do not penetrate the brain. I decided to take my patented aggressive, passive aggressive approach, or papa ah. Whenever he would drop his doodads on the floor, I would quietly and calmly place them outside. Button downs and khakis lining the driveway, slippers and dress shoes walking one by one up the stairs as if ghosts were wearing them. Puddled up pajamas in the front and backyard like jewels had been abducted by aliens. By the fourth week of the papa ah, he finally got the message and started putting his dirty drawers in the hamper where they belong. I recommend you try the same. 
And be sure to take pictures and post them online tagging me and Landers and Dear Pod Official. I love to see retribution in action. Good luck, you filthy sons of bitches, and happy laundry day. Aeon! Does Marcus, um, is he a clothes dropper, evaporator? We have separate rooms for our closets. That's the gayest thing you've ever said. <laughs> well, she's all you'd ever want. She's the kind I'd like to flaunt and take to dinner. We are so excited to welcome our very special guest this week to Dear Pod. Now, like I've said before, she is a modern renaissance woman. She's an actress, a writer, a producer, a podcast host of the fabulous podcast Wife of the Party. Uh, Her podcast is available wherever you listen to them, where you're listening right now. Now, I had the honor of being a guest on this podcast And she is so warm, so welcoming, so lovingly accessible. She's a Southern gal, now transplanted to L.A., where she lives with her husband, comedian Bert Kreischer, and she is mom to two awesome gals, Georgia and Isla. Please welcome Leanne Kreischer! Thank you, guys. We are so happy to have you here, you Southern gal. In honor of you, we have a specialty cocktail that we've been sipping this evening, the Whiskey Peach Smash, which you will be checking out later in the podcast today. So welcome. How are you, first of all? I'm great. Much better now that I'm here. I wish I had the cocktail for me. I'm I know. I'll water. ship you one. I'll, I'll send you all the bits <laughs> and pieces and you can advance. construct. Oh, I should have. Yeah. Like a wine club. Yeah. We'll put that on our list of things to do. <laughs> uh, so welcome to Dear Pod. We are so excited to talk about all things you today. Now, you were just in Colorado, correct, with Bert? Yes, he sold out Red Rocks. He sold is... out Red wow. Rocks? That's nuts. It was bananas. I mean, something happened in the pandemic with his career. You know, I've always been really involved in the behind the scenes of his career. And yeah. we're both kind of like scratching our heads like, what What happened? Things just <laughs> kind of exploded. So he's never sold a venue that large ever. Wow. That's um, amazing. And it was powerful. I've, have you ever been to Red Rocks? I no. have. Oh. It's wild. I mean. Yeah. I've heard it's like. Oh. It's like, it's like next like another, level. Yeah. It's actually the kind of place that would make me suddenly become religious because they were like, oh, if you come here on Easter Sunday when the when the sun is rising, they have some sort of like Easter mass, which I would wow. never like. Usually I would be like, really? yeah, you know what? I would go and see that. I, I just went there and sort of walked around it and there was still snow everywhere, but it's massive and it's, mm-hmm. it like takes your breath away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, cool. I've never been in a place like that to see a live show. Oh. Never. It was just amazing. And everyone there was so happy to be there, you know? Absolutely. How could you not? I mean, it's I like, it's like. The pandy is kind of over-ish. So I it's like know. everybody wants to come out and be around people. And that is very good for the arts yes. right now. Yeah. Um, yes. Now, I kind of want to go back in time. Let's start <clears throat> it at Baby Leanne. Oh, the baby. She was born in Georgia. You're a red clay gal. Growing up in, in the South, what was that like for you? Well, I had a very schizophrenic, I think, or bipolar childhood because my parents divorced when I was young. 
So uh, I was born in a very small town, 1600 people. Everybody oh, wow. knows everybody. Wow. I had like three options for boyfriends in high school in that town. Oh, I was no. Billy Joe, Billy Bob, Billy John. Who's <laughs> exactly. it going to be? Exactly. So it's a tiny little town. But when my parents divorced, my mom moved to Atlanta to the predominantly gay part of town. So I, I grew up in two very completely different places. Oh. So, you know, rural Georgia and downtown Atlanta. So I lived in downtown from age seven to 13. So I kind of got the benefit of the best of almost every world, I feel like, because, you know, my dad, yeah. I never wore shoes. We, I lived in a log cabin. I had no heat. Oh, oh my God. I had to chop my own firewood. You're like, um, how, you're like Dolly Parton. Yeah. We yeah. were like off the grid, but for reals. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for reals. And you're then not I'd doing go it home. for the gram. No, yeah, no, not yeah. for the gram. It was because my dad was like, wouldn't that be fun? And really? it was when you were like seven, eight, nine, ten, And then at a certain point, I was like, yeah, I would like to not automatically turn to ice when I get out of the shower. Yeah, yeah. I just want running water. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> can, we, can we have just like maybe, I don't know, a space heater in the yeah. bathroom? Something. That might be nice. Yeah, I like squirrels um, outside, not on my plate. Well, I did have a snake that lived in my bathroom for a long time. By choice but, or by yeah. force? Well, it was a wild snake, but because we had the snake in the bathroom, we had no rodents. We had no, oh. no rats, no mice. And, oh. no, and no plugged drains because you always <laughs> snake oh, the this drains. Feels <laughs> oh, get <laughs> it, get it. There was a whole snake the drains You're thing welcome. in there. That You're was welcome. very good, very good. Exactly. Yeah. That was yeah. very good. <laughs> Just a wild snake in your bathroom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of scary because you'd open the door and he'd be kind of coiled around the toilet bowl. And then you would startle the snake and the snake would go under the sink and you go, okay, well, I guess he's under the sink. And oh, then my God. Shower and then go on with your day. So I had that way of living. And then I, you know, lived in downtown Atlanta where I walked to school. All of our neighbors were, um, this sounds so stereotypical, but it was actually true. They were all hairdressers and costume designers and makeup artists. And they were all men mm -hmm. and they were living together. And at the time I didn't understand what, what homosexuality was. I yeah, just yeah. knew that, you know, Jim and Dave were my neighbors and they were married. <laughs> they weren't married, but they were married pretty much. Mm -hmm. And I, I loved that community so much, but it was such a juxtaposition to being, you know, where half my cousins wore no shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I, That's amazing. I so you got, I mean, the artist community, is that how that was sort of introduced to you? I think so. Yes. My mother was um, a really successful model. She was a runway model. She came from an even smaller town than my dad's, but she was very kind of ambitious and she was very beautiful. Um, and so she just like moved to Atlanta and followed her dream to be a model and thought the safest place for a little girl would be with a bunch of very sweet, friendly men. And she was right. So, so, cause she left me alone quite a bit. She was, you know, working a lot. Uh -huh. So she was like, I don't want to go into some random community and, you know, being a model, she was around a lot of makeup artists and hairstylists and kind of went to where that population lived at that time. So um, it was a very cool way to grow up. It was a very kind of eyes open way for the South, you know, Yeah, yeah. to grow up. To have um, a flip side of the coin, you know, it's, yeah, I was totally wild. oblivious to a lot of the prejudices because the community that I lived in didn't really 
function that way, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, in Atlanta, that wasn't how anybody functioned in my little tiny community, not, not Atlanta proper, mm-hmm. yeah. but where yeah. I lived, uh, um, everyone was so friendly and so nice and loving and open. And they just happened to be two men living together. I didn't mm-hmm. say that. Yeah. That it's just a matter of fact, you know, especially yeah. as a kid, yeah. you don't have that filter that sees it through the, well, that's wrong. And you know, not it, at all. You're just and open. my dad was so, even though he's Southern Baptist, he was so grateful that he felt like I was in such a safe place. He was so grateful for all the men that lived in our neighborhood around mm. us. It was really cool. Nice. Very cool. She was a runway model in Atlanta? Wow. No, she was a runway model actually in Italy, but she was a print model in Atlanta. Yeah. Wow. She, she would go to Italy and she, I think she worked for Bob Mackey a little bit. And then she worked for a guy named Patrick that had all these f- really famous fashions that had big buttons on them. He passed away from AIDS, I think. But she was one of his runway models um, also. I'm trying to think. I know. I feel like of all the people, he worked for Ralph Lauren. Oh, did you? Come on. You've got to have some sort of a Ralph Lauren. I called him once and he quickly, you know, slapped (laughs) me with the ring hand. And it was awkward. (laughs) He's he's Googling. He's doing some Googling. And also, I do, it cracks me up because I was like, we put our little backdrop up behind us. So if randomly you see us suddenly have a wig. (laughs) I love the wig. I think it's amazing. It just feels like it fits. It's so hairspray. Was it Patrick (laughs) Kelly? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, the big buttons. Yep. Big buttons, yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. Yes. Yeah. My mom was um, not, uh, she was five, eight, five, eight and a half. So she wasn't like a super tall model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But for whatever reason, he, he loved her and she worked for him quite a bit. Wow. She was absolutely gorgeous. I look, actually, I look like my dad. I don't look, my mom's mm-hmm. blonde, green eyes, curly hair, mm-hmm. um, and really, and really tall and like Cher's body. Oh, <laughs> well, I think you're stunning. Well, You're an Italian you. model to me, Kreisha. Well, thank you, thank yeah, you. <laughs> I always feel like that. Now, especially as I age, I'm looking at myself being like, oh, God, I see my father's family, and this story does not end well. <laughs> I see my dad's chin, and then I, my I dad know. comes over, and I go, oh, no. <laughs> you, you hang out with your parents, and it's like a horrifying, like a, like a funhouse mirror of, like, what's coming down the path. It's a before exactly. and after moment, and well, you're like, oh. And then your significant other is like, oh, shit. I really should have. I really should have checked the lineage. I know. Always check the the lineage before you marry. Just very true. I don't know. Um, So cool. Okay. So so you were sort of introduced to this artsy community Mm -hmm. very young. Yes. Uh, Yes. And I think that's why as I grew, I just gravitated, you know, I wasn't, there was no, I, hmm, am I stammering or am I stammering? I haven't even had the the signature (laughs) cocktail. Um, It steadies the hand. Totally. (laughs) I I went to high school at my dad's. So I left Atlanta and went back to the small town. There's no theater or nothing, no kind of arts like that in my small town. I was a cheerleader, dated the football player, did the (gasps) typical all-American. Friday Night Lights, yes, Mm -hmm. which was an amazing way to be a teenager. I loved it. But at a certain point, I just couldn't find my footing in life, right? I couldn't, I couldn't find my footing in college. I just, I was kept trying to be practical and, uh. you know, I'm going to be a, a high school guidance counselor. No, I'm going to go into finance. No. And then one day I was like, I think I'm just going to move to New York city and just study acting. 
So I did. I had never even been there. I just went, I'm just going to move there. (laughs) You did the old school thing. It was like with $200 and a dream. (laughs) Exactly. And then you get off at the Port Authority and go, peep show, peep show, peep show. (laughs) That man is taking a dump in the corner. (laughs) Welcome to New York. Yeah. Yeah, I really should. Exactly. shocking. If you're shitting in the pizza box, are you going to eat that later? (laughs) I'm confused. I don't know what's happening here. I'm just saving this puppy for later. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Welcome to New York. So. Welcome to New York. That was New York was amazing. Yeah. And I think that's when I really got in touch with being a, an artist and understanding that people lived as an artist, even though, which is really odd. My mom was a model, but for some reason, I never thought of it as art in the way that acting or writing or a musician or a painter, I didn't think of it. I didn't connect the two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even a makeup artist or a hairstylist, I didn't connect that with art until I was an adult and was like, oh, you know what? I've kind of been in, uh, in and around art for a really long time. So yeah. this shouldn't be such a shocker. Um, and what did you say your father did? My dad's an auto mechanic. Mm-hmm. He, oh, wow. Um, it's like two flip sides forever. fully. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, his brother is like an earth moving business where he like digs ditches with tractors. My uh. grandfather was a carpenter, total blue collar, hands-on kind of working man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, Amen. wow. So wow. you've kind of, and Both you've developed that as a, as a person, mm-hmm. as you've gotten older, it's like, you, do you still have, you still have both of those people that sort of reside in you? You know, it's like you went to New York, you have all that, but I think there's something that when we talked in your podcast, the, a theme that kept coming through for me, for you, mm-hmm. was community is so important to you. Finding the people that mm-hmm. are your people mm-hmm. that you embrace that are your family that you feel comfortable around that seemed mm-hmm. to be an important thing to you especially when you moved to New York you said you you didn't really find your people you didn't really find your footing there that's right you know something I read a book recently about um about being growing up blue collar uh versus growing up white collar there's obviously pros and cons to every way you can grow up but one of the takeaways from that book I learned was that you know blue collar people don't ask what do you do when they introduce themselves to, you know, if I meet you, I go, Hey, Aaron, how are you? What do you do? Oh, I'm a stand up comedian. Oh, okay. Then I can quantify who you are. Yeah. That doesn't really happen in the blue collar community. They want to know who you are. Like, what do you, 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 you go fishing last week? Oh, I love to fish, you know? Oh, your kid's playing softball. My kid's playing mm-hmm. softball. It's a, it's a different kind of outreach sort of and it's it's super super um grounded in something different than what white collars people do which is great that white collar people say i'm a lawyer oh great i I happen to need a lawyer let me get a lawyer but people that are blue collar don't typically do that for some reason and i think I've, I've found this great mix of people who are like me who kind of came from really modest very simple background, but have have kind of morphed into a new um, culture, sort of that wasn't the culture they were raised in. Yeah, and we kind of speak a similar language about you know stuff like that. It's really important for me, like that. Some of the stuff that people comment on about my kids is that I make sure they always ask, "How are you?" and mean the question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't just say, "How are you." and then not listen to not want to know the answer mm-hmm. and the community I grew up in definitely wanted to know the answer and wanted to uh, celebrate with you if you were happy 
or mourn with you if you were sad mm. and really wanted to be part of that with you. And I think sometimes most people aren't like that, but my little hometown in Bowden, Georgia was very much like that. We kind of shared life together, the whole community. Mm. That's wild. So, yeah. It's really interesting to when, to, when people ask how you're doing, a lot of people really don't want to know the answer. No, no. I'm one of the people that I, I think you and I both do it. It's like we, we kind of launch into like our stories of like, oh, how the week was going or whatever, mm-hmm. as opposed to just being so like, I don't know, like, like how are you? Let me tell you more about me. Or not, you- even, <laughs> not even that. Like, like, like I just yeah, want to good he- for you. How does that affect my good? Life? And then keep go on your way. Yeah, yeah. Well, it also depends. Right. I think who you talk to. I remember, like, yeah. <laughs> my grandmother heard her later years. You're like, how you doing? She was like, this woman is trying to steal from me. I'm sorry. And I asked. you're like, oh God, it went so wrong so fast. Right, right. No, but I, I'm from similar a similar background. It's funny. It was like I wasn't. We weren't blue collar. We were not white collar. We were like lower like middle class solid and we grew up in a in a community that everybody knew each other also and Mm -hmm. I think it's always been an important thing to me so that was just something that like struck me when Mm -hmm. I was talking to you was the fact that like it's so important to find your people Mm -hmm. that make you that you know that you can I'm gonna go to Patty if I want to trash talk Christina Aguilera it's good to know you're there you know it's like you have the different people that fill the different needs That's all he That's really, really does. Low. That's low hanging. But part. I also love that, um, <laughs> you know, I I had the privilege of hanging out with you <clears throat> and your husband in in uh, New Jersey at mm-hmm. the Atlantic City Borgata, and uh, this is before <laughs> I really even got a chance to talk to you. So I didn't, <laughs> we didn't chat even, and it was Isla's birthday, mm-hmm. and you had a birthday celebration for her before the second show, and I <laughs> just remember thinking like. It was awesome to watch you be a mother to those two girls in the five seconds that I saw it happen. Your family means the world to you. You Mm. look like you are just so tight. You're just like, you have each other's backs. And I like that you even said that, that how you're raising them is so contrary to like how kids in general are probably raised these days. So especially as we are a comedy advice podcast, you know, what... (laughs) I mean, what is your thought behind raising teenagers, A, in this time and place, mm-hmm. and also, like, because you're raising teenagers who didn't grow up the way you did, don't right. have that background of the, the humble beginning to the, the bigger life that you live now? Well, I think they do have a bit of the background of the humble beginning. Obviously, they can't have as much as I had, but we go home every year for two weeks. They know their cousins, aunts, uncles. They knew my grandparents. I had um, two grandmothers and a grandfather that was live. They were living for a, a long time. I just recently lost grandmother and grandfather not too long ago. So they they did get to go back and see how modest everybody lived. I mean, my grandmother until the day she died had no air conditioning. Um, and her heater was like a coal heater in the middle of a living room. Wow. So oh, they got to see like, like people live like this also. Mm-hmm. They don't just live like we live. They mm-hmm. live all different kinds of ways and are happy. Yeah. So happiness isn't maybe the big house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My grandmother was one of the happiest people on the planet. And you know what? She loved her garden. She Aww. loved that garden. And you know what? Hey, that's what made her happy. Yeah. So I think I've, I have always <clears throat> made sure that they experienced 
small things like that. Like yeah. we could give them so many big things now, but when we first had kids, we didn't have any money. You know, we were really pretty, you know, living hand to mouth, like a lot of comics do. And we had two kids. Raising a hand so, right here. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So when you do that, you have to, you have to teach them how to find happiness in very simple things. Um, and it doesn't have even have to be a thing. Like I do this one thing that I think was really smart. Um, I guess before I say this, I should say, I did not have a great uh, relationship with my mom. I don't think my mom really knew what being a mom was until she was already in it. And then was like, oh, this might be a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> That's how this works? Oh, geez. I like getting my hair and makeup done and like taking pictures of me. So yeah. I, I have to deal with her too. I think it wasn't really her bag. Uh -huh. So I got to kind of figure out my way of parenting and not bring in all these bad habits that I was brought up with, yeah. with from my mom. So I kind of went, what do, what would, what would have been helpful for me? What would have, what would I have thrived in yeah. for me? So one of the things I've always tried to do with my two kids is to see who they really are, not to see how they fit in who I think they should be mm -hmm. or how they fit into my system, because that's very selfish. You know, yeah. I have one kid who's really dyslexic and she's never going to fit into my system. I made straight A's with my eyes closed and one hand tied by my back. I mean, I, I, I did I'd showed up and was a straight A student. Mm -hmm. How could I ever expect her to do that? Yeah. So you have to kind of adjust how you, how you process people and how you see them. And then your output has to change from that. And, you know, so many people like if, if you get straight A's, then you need straight A's. Georgia Kreischer, there is no reason why that child should not have straight A's. She's super smart. She's effortless student. So she kind of has a different standard than her sister. Where her sister, I'm like, if you get a C minus, we are good. Yeah. <laughs> you, have, yeah. you have busted your ass. I know you have. Because yeah. all that matters for both of them is that they work really hard. Yeah. That's it. You're yes. quantifying learning differently, which is what it should be. It should be adaptable uh, yeah. to the people. Yes. And not just learning. Almost every kind of expectation. You have to, you have to kind of adapt instead of having one hard line in the sand. I think that's really makes things more difficult than it needs to be. I think so. I think, you know, parent, I, I'm not a parent, but. <laughs> we um, have made all of this abundantly I, clear on past correct, episodes. Yes. We but are not parents. So I'm one of eight and I feel like there is a, um, there's like a plan for like, here's our set plan and you're all going to fit into it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I think is a grave mistake. It's a parenting schedule. Right. That, I agree. Oh, if you don't, if you don't hit this and you're, you're less than or you're yeah. and I think that I think a lot of people need to understand that it it is not hard and fast. It is let's like like you said, let's see where they go and then you can kind of guide without actually are. like pushing um unless they don't see a talent, you know. There are some people there are some kids that, you know, oh you don't realize how smart you are or how athletic you are, how you, you need to, you know, know this because mm -hmm. they don't have the mm -hmm. confidence. But I think some, like so many, make the mistake of just saying, "This is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. This is what this is what we do." Mm -hmm. I mean, I went to an all boys Catholic school, and like in high school, and I was like, I knew from the from the get go that this was not great, mm -hmm. and I was correct. Like I I knew it in my bones, and I tried to explain mm -hmm. it, 
and I just knew that I would not thrive. And they're like, right. well, good luck. And it's like throwing into your kid the into the, yeah, throwing your kid in the water and like, right. you know, sorry about your son that drowned. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> well, sometimes throwing into deep ends. Okay. But not all the time. And you have to right. know when it is and when it's not. Yeah. And you know, the thing about it too is Bert and I have this really good way. I don't know how, how we come up with this, but we kind of have a value system that's, that's loose in that you have to be involved in something in school. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be a sport, but it has to be something that requires a commitment that requires some kind of accountability to another person or group of people. Mm-hmm. So that could be the school newspaper. That could be the cheer team. That could be softball. That could be the play. That could be debate team. That could be so many different things, but you're not going to not be committed to something because being committed to something teaches you all these other values that you need in life. So you choose what it is. We don't care, but it's got to be something and you don't have to do eight. We just need you to do one. Now, if you decide you want to do eight and you can keep your grades up, fine. But I think you're right. People go, you will play softball because your sister's playing softball and Mm -hmm. your mother played softball when she was in high school. And we're a softball family when the kid wants to ice skate. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you're like, just let them ice skate as long Mm -hmm. as they're doing something that they're excited about and they're accountable to someone else for. They need to be accountable, held accountable, you know, to a team or a coach or a schedule or something. So I think people get lost in that kind of, they must meet these certain standards instead of looking, well, what's the value? What are we trying to teach here? We're trying to teach them accountability and self-respect and, and how to build positive self-esteem. Yeah. And you can skin that cat eight ways to Sunday. It doesn't matter how you, how you do it. Mm. My parents had no choice. No choice. Like my brother was, is entirely he's a an engineer guy mathematically minded very like quiet looks entirely different and then i was dropped in from a stork and they were like this is going to be very tiring and very different than the other one i think you look very much like an engineer Completely. i mean obviously very much like if a you stork. put some tina fey glasses on me i'll be whatever you want nbc abc whatever you want for your sitcom Right. Yeah, they didn't have a choice. Also, because one of the first sentences I ever said was belly up to the bar. And they just knew. Oh my God. They were like, we have to adapt our parenting to to the St. Pauli girl. (laughs) (laughs) Good for her getting a job. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Well, now going back to when you came to New York, you said Mm -hmm. you came to New York to be an actor, but you found your way into writing Mm -hmm. at some point while you were there. And yes. then that took you to L.A. Mm-hmm. And it and did. You, yeah. What did you well, how did that come about when you got to New York? You were like, eh, I've tried acting. It's not really my thing. I think I like the working behind the scenes a little bit more. What was the process for that? Well, I was in New York. Um, I was studying. Uh, I was in a Meisner program and I was doing really well, or at least my my teacher was telling me I was doing really well. But I, I was always very insecure as an actress. I just didn't. I was like, ah, but really, am I really? And people kept saying, you know, you got to get rid of your accent. You got to get rid of your accent. And I was like, okay. So I I took like, you know, diction classes and it just, it ain't going nowhere. I mean, (laughs) it is in there. It ain't going nowhere. Sorry, Mr. Meisner. So I was like, well, then that, I understand that that limits me, but I don't really care because I can't, I'm not willing to work to change it 
to the level that they're telling me I got to work to change it. Wow. So I ain't changing it. So then I started saying, well, why don't I just write stuff for Southern people? And then I'll just produce them and, and act in them myself. Mm -hmm. So I started writing like one acts and putting one acts together with friends and just throwing them up in some, you know, rat infested theater somewhere in New York. And I was like, I actually like that better. I like writing better because then I, I just had more confidence there. I felt funnier there and I felt like more fun. And especially because the characters I was writing most of the time were Southern, I definitely am an expert in that. So yeah. I just really started enjoying that. And then I got really weary of living in New York. I didn't move from New York because there was an opportunity in LA. I just got really weary. I needed a little more green space. I need a little more open sky and yeah. you know, New York's hard to live. You, you know, you got to, schlep your groceries up four flights of stairs and yeah. i don't know what you're talking about <laughs> never lived it we right. definitely patty has never eaten a slice of dollar pizza <laughs> off of his front stoop okay. when he was really drunk all at 2 a.m right. before just the one no, just the one time just the one we've all done it just the i one know time. we all have our new york stories so yeah, i just got kind of weary and so i was like you know what i'm gonna move to la i'm gonna try it i'm gonna keep my apartment in new york i'll sublet it and if i hate it i'll come back what's mm -hmm. the big deal and I got to LA and like my whole body just kind of relaxed. Everything about me just kind of went, okay. Oh. So I think I didn't realize how, um, how intense I was in New York city. I don't know that I was uptight or any, or stressed per se. I was just really intense there. Yeah. Yes. Everything was super intense. You have no choice. That is how you survive in exactly. that city day to day. I'm always, my angry setting is always naturally at an eight <laughs> as soon as my eyes open. <laughs> it's a survival technique where you're like, and then I went out to LA and then I walked into a Starbucks and the guy just said hi to me. And he like made eye contact. And I was like, what do you want? What do you want from me? Oh, wait, I'm in LA. <laughs> oh, never mind. Oh never mind. God. Sorry, sorry, I want to feel that deflation so badly. Even you yeah. talking about, doesn't it sound nice? Yes, it does. God, it is why do nice. I live in the building? I don't know. We've asked that so much. Water this morning, especially in the in a pandemic. I was like, what are we doing? Right. <laughs> well, New York's wonderful. I mean, it's a really great place to live for the four years I lived there. About six months before I moved is when I went, okay, I think I've hit some kind of wall. And I, and I hadn't found my people. And I was like, I've given it a long time. It's three and a half years. I moved after four years. I was like, okay, I'm not finding my people. Yeah. Let's just give LA a shot. So once I got out here, I was auditioning for stuff. And I was like, this just doesn't feel like me. It doesn't feel right. So I just kind of dove into writing and ended up writing quite a few screenplays. I sold one that got made and I had four that were optioned and was doing really well as a writer. I had, wow. you know, some studios asking me to adapt books into films and then, and then I got pregnant and uh, became a mom. And I think, um, I believe that things happen for a reason and that was my path because, mm -hmm. I mean, my daughter doesn't really know this, so hopefully she doesn't watch this podcast, but I got pregnant on the pill. So oh my God. I know, right? Wow. So, Burton had been dating what? for a year and a half. He already had bought a ring. We were already headed down that path. But I was like, oh, okay. Well, I guess this is what I'm supposed to be doing now because I think that's kind of how. That's the universe God. telling you whether you like it or not. Yeah. I have that's just it. made this happen. Oh my God. Wouldn't it be great if, like, 
if one of our corporate sponsors was NuvaRing or something. <laughs> and we're like, but, but NuvaRing ensures that that will not happen. What yeah. happened to Leanne Crusher will not what? happen yeah. to you. I was not, not on NuvaRing when that happened. Wow. So no. Oh, we, we need to find out what the brand is. Uh, so the women everywhere could be like, maybe not. No, mm. that. Uh, now, when you moved out to LA, you were writing and you were in the zone, uh, comedy writing primarily? Yes, I wrote um, romantic comedies and yeah. a couple straight comedies, but most of them were rom-coms. Mm. And, you know, rom-coms are all but dead now. But at the time, um, yeah, we were really into that. The, the film that got sold was a rom-com for teenagers. It was a teenage rom-com. Yes. And uh, it was a really cute script. I am not um, super excited about the, the end result because mm -hmm. after it's bought, you know, they kind of were like, and we're hiring professional writers to finish this up. And we were not super happy with the uh, end result. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, yeah it yeah. was a bummer. They changed one of our characters who is a nine-year-old boy who I wrote to be like Hugh Hefner type mm -hmm. at nine. They turned him 14 and I was like, now he's gross. Yeah, now then it gets really a little creepy. bit, it tips yeah. the scales. But I yeah. mean, that's the kind of wild part about the business in general. It's like, especially if you're somebody who is creating something, there is an element where you go, boof, you make it and then it's out of your hands and out of your control. Yep. Mm -hmm. And there's so many different factors involved from directors to editors. How I always say the editor is the storyteller Completely. because once you get into an editing booth, that's the person who decides what direction you're looking in and, and where you're focusing mm -hmm. and, and what storyline to bring forward, what to bring back. And, mm -hmm. and you know, there's just so many different variables that can go into something artistic that can take your original vision in a completely different direction so true. I know. So it's, true. You know, it's, I've had it happen a couple of times myself where you're like, well, that's not what we did <laughs> at all. I didn't involve a monkey who knows how to juggle. <laughs> I never, this is, this is a heavy drama. I don't, yeah, I don't right? get what happened. Yeah. But yeah. There's, I mean, is it tough casting to sort of is let actually that go? really important too. If it's not cast well, if it's cast against what was written on the page, it can completely change the story. Mm -hmm. So casting is another big part of movie making. I Huge. think casting and editing, which is is kind of brings me to another sidebar about um, everybody knows your husband is Burt Kreischer, <laughs> the machine, uh -huh. uh, a legendary piece of of work business, business <laughs> a legendary piece like, of business it's so wild i mean again it was i told you when i first met you i was like he came into my consciousness through a podcast so i had never mm -hmm. even seen the machine it was through an interview and through podcast i feel like that's why i love this this medium so much if you mm -hmm. are a podcast fan and aficionado and especially if you have interviews with people like yourself it can open a whole new world of people up to individuals you didn't know or, or what they were doing. And again, I'm in the comedy world, so I knew his name, but I didn't really know what he did. Mm -hmm. And he said some really insightful things on this podcast, and it made mm -hmm. me sort of key into him. And then mm -hmm. my best friend, Steph, mm -hmm. <laughs> auditioned for the role of you in yeah. The Machine. Did you know about this? Have I talked to you about this? Steph maybe. Kurtzuba, who has been a guest on our podcast. True. Um, she was going up for The Machine is Being Made into a Movie. When is it being released? Uh, not sure yet. I, okay. I've heard January, but I'm not sure. I don't really know. A rough They're estimate. In post right yeah, now. it's, yeah, it's, it's in now. post, so it's in the process of being released. They filmed it in Serbia mm -hmm. uh, this past year, but she, was, she went in for it, and she didn't know anything about what The Machine was. Like, she just sort of went in with, like, 
you know, some basic knowledge, which I think is the best way to be of like, she wasn't being swayed by any outside sources to create, to recreate you, Mm -hmm. which is wild to me. I wonder what it's like to, to be on, because I know that you were integral to the casting of the movie, Mm -hmm. the machine. What is it like to watch a bunch of actresses play you audition to be you? Well, I tell you, it's pretty interesting. Uh, I have this weird ability to disconnect from the me in all of the art. You know, Bert talks about me in every single special. And uh, some of it's true and some of it's not. And some of the stuff that's really bad that you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe he said that is actually true. (laughs) uh, What's one bad thing he said? uh, But being a writer, my point of view always is what makes the work the best? That's it. Mm-hmm. it uh, I don't need somebody to look. I didn't need Stephanie. I didn't need whoever was playing me to be Southern. I didn't need them to look like me, sound like me, same shape, size, hair color. I didn't care. I cared about the connection that person had with Bert because Bert and I have this weird uh, relationship. I think he's so larger than life. And I am so regular down to earth, (laughs) but I try really hard to understand him. And I think a lot of people don't, you know, when he gets emotional or he gets upset or he has some anxiety or OCD, a lot of people would be like, buddy, you got to deal with yourself where I really try to see if I can understand what's going on with him. Mm -hmm. And Stephanie in her read in the casting was the person where I went, Oh, she's trying to understand what he's saying. Mm -hmm. So she, that's all that mattered to me Mm -hmm. was that the person that was playing me got the relationship and the connection, because it would be very easy to say, and people say this to me all the time and ha ha ha. So funny. How are you married to that guy? I mean, he never wears a shirt. I mean, he's such a slob. I mean, he's so disgusting. Oh my God. And they I actually go, say that to you about oh, him to you. So many times I get emails about it. Oh I can't believe God. that you're married. This guy, Bert really married up. How do you deal with all his, you know, but you know, what is wrong with people? In their heads that they're just sort of like, I think you're, I mean, because you're a person who's in the public view, it's like, you're just open for that sort of weird commentary. It's, it's weird. It's strange. It is weird, but people actually say that like in our neighborhood, you know, like, like, (laughs) no joke, you know, cause we, we're very involved because of me. We're super involved in our kids elementary school because I was like, I will be part of this community. I will be volunteering at the school and I will be gathering friends from this neighborhood. I Mm -hmm. like a lot of people here and people would go, how do you live with him? I mean, he never has a shirt on. He's never home. You know, he never picks up after himself. Doesn't that drive you crazy? I could never live with Bert. But I think to myself, well, like, how right. can I? You don't you know? have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If that's their point of view, what makes me different? So my point of view is I, I see all the positive things he brings to the table and they see only the negative. Right. Yeah. So everybody has negative. His negative just is a little more obvious, but the positive, <laughs> maybe not. You know what? Obvious or not, it works for him. Yeah. You know, it, it does. It works for both of us. So I, when Stephanie was reading, when all of the ladies were reading, that's what I was looking for. I was looking for someone who really liked Bert. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who, yeah. Who likes him. 
Um, and she was it, buddy. As soon as she finished reading, I was like, well, that's the one. We can continue <laughs> casting, but that's the one that's me. I'm picking that person. Um, and then she also got me totally addicted to these stupid flip side crackers. Have she made you eat these flip side crackers? Oh my God. Where I'm not going to lie. We I? got back to the hotel room and we ate flip side crackers in the Borgata. What and yes, that? I may have had several martinis that night, but it was the best thing. Flip side crackers. The one side is a cracker. The other side is a pretzel. So she brought them to Borgata that night. And, and, uh, she was like, I gotta give, uh, I got to give Bert these flip side crackers and then we ate his gift. So um, <laughs> I apologize and I will be sending a box of flip side to you people with a big red bow on it. Uh, it was my bad. I drank a lot and I needed something to absorb the vodka. Now, is the flip side different than the pretzel thins or does it taste yes. similar? It is much, it is superior to a pretzel thin. Is it because of the lightly buttered um, Ritz cracker? Absolutely. Yes. It's far more sophisticated than a simple pretzel. So it's not two combined into one. It is actually one side is baked and the other one is. Yes. I think they're both baked, but one side is clearly pretzel and the other side is cracker. I don't know how they do it. It's it's like you got chocolate in my peanut butter moment. It's one of these (laughs) aha moments Mm, where you're like, ooh, these things shouldn't be together, but. Mm, okay. It's like somehow they're amazing. They're the Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn of crackers. And they've lasted. Agreed. They've lasted. Let's they will last this, forever. Let's hope this they make lasts. sense in your mouth. Maybe I've said too much, but I, I don't care. I, I am a pro flip side okay. cracker. All right. Um, so do you are you involved still in a lot of the writing of his stuff? Or what's what's the uh dynamic there? You sort of like just because you have such an amazing intuition. Do people tell that to you all mm-hmm. the time? that you have this really natural, and it's funny that you said like you take the emotion out of the business of it, which is such a rare thing to Mm go, oh, the play's the thing, you Mm -hmm. know? There's a reason that that phrase exists, and it's Mm -hmm. like uh, the whole product is bigger than any one part that is involved. You have an amazing view for that. I mean, are you a producer on this? Have you been doing, taking more of a producer stance on stuff? You know, uh, I didn't realize I was a producer, uh, but I have pretty much been a producer on all of his specials. I do not write anything that he says ever. I have never written a single word that he's ever said. Mm -hmm. I do, however, like when he goes to um, film a special, I will go on the road with him for probably four or five shows before he starts filming actually maybe more than that, a couple weeks before, and I'll watch all his shows on multiple nights. And I am a brutal uh, yet kind note giver. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I um, am very good for whatever reason at, at serving the play. Yeah. What, what serves the play? If it doesn't serve the play, then it's fat and it needs to be trimmed. And I've always been really good at that. I was really good at that as a writer. Also, I was, I was horrible at the first draft, really good at, at second, third, fourth, like mm-hmm. uh, cut it out, cut it out, cut it out, change it. This doesn't work. Um, does he always take your advice? Uh, 95% of the time he's he, because he wants, he just wants the play to be good too. Yeah. His goal is the same. So he has no ego. When I say, you say, you know, he gets lazy sometimes and he'll curse a lot in a joke because his jokes are like a seven minute story. Yeah, his one yeah. joke. And I'll go, that's just lazy, super lazy. 
So what word could you put in place of all these curses and curse one time? And then what word means the most and makes it punch the most? And how, how is this word a callback from this joke earlier in your special? And I'm just really good at, at kind of dissecting things and then putting them back together um, with him. I, we definitely collaborate. It's not me telling him what to do. We kind of hash it out together. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I'll go watch it as the hashed out version and help him tweak it and refine and refine and refine until he shoots the special and I watch every taping. And then when they start sending us the edits, I know what edits, I know which show got what reaction mm -hmm. so that when they're editing the special, I can go show two on Saturday night for that moment is better than show one on Saturday night. Can I see that cut in place? So that's what I do. Um, for his specials. Now, the movie's a different journey. I, the movie is not produced by us. It's produced by Legendary Pictures. I am not involved in it in that capacity. I was involved with casting, and I definitely was involved in helping Bert develop the machine story for his special, which is what yeah. they bought. Mm -hmm. And I, I definitely read every version of every script, and I submitted my notes and my story ideas, and some of them they took. Um, but I am not as involved in this project because I just don't think it's a, what they want or what they're interested in. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that's cool. I'm cool with that. I just want the play to be good. Right. God, you, I mean, he's very lucky to have you not, I mean, to have somebody who's not only like your partner, but also has this crazy keen discerning editing eye and, and knows how to, deliver that maybe like with a spoonful of sugar in yeah. a way of like this is this is what needs to be done and he knows that you have his back is such an amazing rare thing not only in a relationship but also speaking on behalf of the comic side it's like <laughs> we you know I understand look my husband completely watches all of it gets involved with it my ego will get in the way of hearing things that he'll say mm -hmm. sometimes the fact that that you guys work as a team to create this bigger picture is mm -hmm. such a wild, rare, awesome thing to have in this industry. And you have mm -hmm. such a skill. I mean, again, I know I don't know you all that well. I feel <laughs> like I've known you for years. Same here. Same yeah, here. It just feels like every, from the second that I met and talked to you, I was like, you just have a really keen intuition on things that that are potent that should be said and things that are taking up space that don't serve the bigger picture and mm -hmm. he's very lucky to have you well, <laughs> thank you i think yes. so and you know the truth is i think we just make a good team it's Sounds a team like effort it. and if he had ego i wouldn't speak up because I wouldn't want to, you know, have to deal with that in my marriage. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a real credit to who he is, too. He doesn't have any ego about once we get to the point of shooting a special, ego is gone. Yeah. It's you just, just about what best. serves what serves the special. Yeah. That's it. And, you know, if it doesn't belong in this special, it may belong in another one. Or maybe it just belongs on stage live. But for whatever reason, we are very in alignment with yeah with that. And, you know, I think part of the gift that I have is that my mom was not, um, a, I shouldn't say that my dad was very into watching stand up, 
and my dad was all about Benny Hill and oh, Mel oh Brooks and funny, 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 mm -hmm. anything was funny. Was your dad my dad? Uh, right? <laughs> That's wow. the same Live. thing, Benny oh, Hill. Yep. Saturday Night Live, we never missed an episode of Saturday Night Live when yeah. I was with him. Mm -hmm. And because my dad lived with went in that log cabin, he had two male roommates uh, that had kids also. So every other weekend, it was a bachelor pad and then, you know, dad's on duty and then bachelor pad and dad's on duty. So I grew up with this like crew of men with male senses of humor. Mm -hmm. And that's where I got my comedy was from their sensibility. And I definitely married a meathead, an elevated meathead. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I completely understand that meathead comedy, like yeah. fully. Yes. And I think it's because of my dad and his two roommates that were like meathead comedy all day long. So what do you think is, is something that you want to attack next for you? Like what's, what's on par for you? I know that you just moved into a new house, so you're sort of like putting life together with that. But is there something bigger on the horizon that you're like, I kind of want to, I mean, you've done so many things. You're a wife, mm -hmm. you're a mother, you're a writer, podcast host. What, what's something that's in the future for you? Well, during the pandemic, I took an essay class online through UCLA. Oh. Um, and I learned how much I like writing essays. Uh, I wrote, this was a, this was a, an essay class where each week you wrote a 750 word essay that was a true story from something from your life. And I enjoyed it so much. And my professors were so very supportive. They kept saying, I think you should write a memoir in essay form. I think you should write a memoir in essay form. And that has stuck in my brain since I took the class last December. And life has just, you know, with the feature film, with the remodeling the house and the moving, I just haven't had time to go back and continue to write essays. I have nine essays already. Um, and I'd like to continue writing more essays about, you know, a lot of it's about my childhood and about, you know, my grandparents and my, you know, I had this, this guy in our community that never wore shoes to the point where his feet were tough like leather and he used to stomp bottle caps in his heel and then ride a motorcycle and make sparks fly off of his bare heel. It was oh just amazing. <laughs> That's a hell wow. of a party wow. trick. Wow. He was what, what you neighbor. might call a hillbilly. No, <laughs> oh no. Somebody get a no, pumice stone. No. It's going to be a boulder. Oh, <laughs> so, like, I wrote this essay about him, and my professors were like, I mean, you should send this to the moth. This is insane. <gasps> and, totally. and then every week I'd go, you should send this to the moth. This is insane. So I really would like to focus on that. I haven't been able to focus on it because I've been focusing on this film, and Bert and I um, – wrote another film that we sold. So we're in pre-production for that film. So hopefully at some point that, that project's just for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. I also have something that I did, you know, when I was struggling in New York and I was feeling really lost and without a community, I started, I think I told you about this on my podcast. I started gathering sayings from music, lyrics from music, poetry, um, a snippet, a, a quote from, I don't know, uh, Oprah or whoever, and I compiled it in a journal and I call it my Bible. Mm -hmm. So anytime I kind of feel not grounded or, or unsure of myself or sad or um, hurt, I'll go back to that and open and open it up to wherever and read whatever I have collected over the years. I have 
hundreds of sayings in this book. And I've been meaning to self-publish that for my daughters so that when they go off into the world, I can go, this is the wisdom I gathered from other people. It's not even my wisdom because wisdom comes from everywhere. The Bible's in there, you know, Buddha's in there, everybody's in there. Mm -hmm. So that's something that's really soon that I actually wanted to do before Georgia graduated from high school, just to kind of self-publish that. Um, when is she graduating? In the spring and well, in May. Then this you better hurry year. up. <laughs> I got to hurry up on my now. Start cracking that whip. Uh, speaking of wisdom, is there an Ann Landers quote in there? I don't know. Exactly. We're going to find an (laughs) Ann Landers quote. We're going to send that to you with a flip side box. That's right. Love it. Yeah, it's just like buried in there. You got to look for it. It's like a a Cracker Jack prize. Yeah. Love it. I love it. Um, Speaking of wisdom, how apropos that you should be bringing up these nuggets of charming wisdom. Now, every, uh, every guest that we have here on the podcast, we ask them the same question, which is what's one piece of advice that you've gotten that has brought you through life? Uh, you know, took me a minute to think of that, but once I did, this is probably the best piece of advice I I got. I used to be really, really unforgiving of myself. So if I hurt my friend's feelings, I would never recover. Mm -hmm. And I would be so, you know, if I had a bad audition, I was just, just dirt and terrible. And this friend said to me one time, you know, you're so hard on yourself. Why don't you treat yourself like you're five years old when you make a mistake? Just have the mental moment to say, if Leanne were five and made this mistake, how would you talk to her? And talk to yourself that way, because it's really not nice the way you treat yourself when you do things wrong. And that piece of advice has stuck with me forever. It's really kind of changed who I was in a lot of ways. I became so much more forgiving of everybody. Mm-hmm. Because I thought if I can look at that like a five-year-old, not in maturity, but in like in emotional fragility, mm-hmm. then then you won't ever do wrong by anybody. You know, you'll never blow anybody up or fuck you and be all <laughs> shitty because then you would never do that to a five-year-old. Yeah. Well. So. Well, <laughs> don't say that around Patty. Oh my God, that gave that brought tears to my eyes. No, I love that piece of advice uh, because it's it's true. It's like stop before you go down a path of we all want to beat the crap out of ourselves. Yeah. If you're a perfectionist, which I think is like the the antithesis of being an artist, which has taken me a long time to learn, which is like perfection is it gets in the way. Yeah. And yeah. Did you ever see that one? Yeah. The um, I think it was like some like science experiment where they either talk to a house plan or they talk to something and they just one they they say nothing but positive wonderful things. Oh, it's and the, the water other, yeah. thing. It's and, what the bleep do we know? Yeah. And we do that to ourselves. I know yeah. you and I do it. Totally. To all the time. Every day like all day every day. So I feel like that is one of the best pieces of wisdom that yeah, we've actually 100%. heard on the pod. Not to, you know, diss all the rest of the wonderful I mean, people saying. we've had, but Leanne Kreischer has brought the the wisdom here for sure because it's like I think especially for for those of us who grapple with perfection in in, in the arts business which is like where you're going to find it the most it's because of however you were raised as an artist you know it's like if you were a dancer it's like finding the perfect how can I make the perfect point, the perfect turn? It's about being the best person in the room. But if you think about it, if you are talking to the checkout lady at Target with the mentality of how would I speak to her if she were five, not 
oh, you're so cute today. Not like that. <laughs> but, you know, when I talk to a five-year-old, I really listen to them mm-hmm. because I want them to feel heard. Yeah. And so why can't I do that with the lady that's uh, ringing up my groceries? It, it takes no more effort at all to do that. And another thing I'll say about comedy, this is one thing that Burt Kreischer does really well. Being on stage should feel like play. It should feel like, hey, let's pretend we're going to be pirates and we're going to be playing. Just play. Life should be about play. Obviously, you can't be playing all the time. But if you are playing, I mean, how much fun is it to watch two kids in the park playing when they're really into it? Uh So much fun. This is the same for comedy. We want to see you play and have fun. You should be having as much fun as I am. And we all get really hung up on what we think needs to be done or said or what we need to be to get X, Y, Z. How do, what, yes. what is, what's trending in late night? How do I turn myself into that person that needs to be that thing that hits that five minute mark? You know, I mean, there's a lot, there's mm-hmm. a lot that swirls in your head, especially if you're a comic. I think we're, we're wired in a really weird way, yes. but you know, you can get sort of obsessive about it. And that's why when I heard him on the good one podcast talking about, he, he felt like he was doing the same thing over and over again. And there wasn't any life in sort of what he was doing. He mm-hmm. said it to, it was like he was sitting in a room telling it to me. Mm, and that's what brought it into perspective. And I had I written to him on Instagram, but you know, it's like those requests get lost in the shuffle. And I wrote oh it God. back in November of last year and it wow. was wild to be at the Borgata. And I sat down and because I talked to you, I said, you know, this is how I know your husband and it's not through the machine. It's through what he said on this podcast. And you were like, you need to tell him that. So I sat down and told him, he found the message on Instagram. Did you know this? No. He found my message in the bowels of his Instagram. And he was like, thank you. And then he, you know, so it's, it was in, it was like a message in a bottle that was received multiple months afterwards, but, you but know, still received, received, which is so rare in this, yeah. what in this weird technological, you know, wormhole that yes. it could just go down and get lost. But, yes. you know, it, it was cool to, it was cool as a comic to be able to have that moment and go like, oh, wow. You know, I mean, everything, especially because you guys live public lives, mm-hmm. you know, you never know how you're affecting somebody who's out there. And that's what I love about also podcasting is when it comes back to us. And I'm sure I saw, I like, I'm, I'm stalking your podcast, wife of the party, get it wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, <laughs> That you can see the comments underneath it. And mm-hmm. it means someone is out there and hears what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So, and, and, you know, just to wrap up talking about some of the, the things that your podcast, your podcast, you have several episodes now. You're well into the hundreds. Like, like you're 170 yeah. something or 180 something. You're almost, you're reaching 200 episodes. Yes, I'm, yeah. I'm getting close to 200, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you bring on cool um guests but you also deal with all sorts of ranging topics from like family and marriage you talk to Bert sometimes you interviewed your kids I mean there's a lot that's in there so I highly recommend any of our five to seven listeners that's right definitely (laughs) checking out wife of the party you there's something for everybody in there and it's a great conversation you also have all the episodes up on YouTube so it's cool to be able to watch the people talk Instead of just just hearing it, depending on what your jam is. Leanne, (laughs) tell the good people where they can find you, stalk you online. Tell us everything about you. 
I think you already did. Wife of the party. So wifeotp.com is my website. At L Kreischer is my Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, wife of the party, you can get uh, anywhere you get podcasts on, on YouTube. Uh, and it's my, I like my podcast. It's really fun. There's no format. Yours is so lovely because it's formatted. And I go, oh, here comes here comes her mom. Ah! I love when your mom's on. I love when your mom's on. Here she comes. And well, I you're going to want to hear the Thursday podcast. episode about cremation because she said some real interesting things about what she wants her body to be in the oh afterlife. So tune in. Yes, yeah. definitely. Oh. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> Yay. And mine, I hope mine you... is not like that. Mine is just a free flowing conversation. No, it's so Here's... great though. Like even I, oh, like Aaron you. was saying, I was, uh, I was watching uh, the YouTube and the responses underneath. It's almost there. It's like a continuation of the conversation. Like people are, um, it's like, Oh yeah. I was watching the one where you had the two ladies on about suicide. And then there's like, Oh, my uncle or my, you know, mm-hmm. it makes them feel seen and heard mm-hmm. and they're part of the mm-hmm. conversation and i saw it with the other um some of the other ones and i was like this is amazing oh thank you, you. Know? well it's all that community well it's My also whole... true it's like the way that you speak to everybody is uh it lands with everybody because you're not you're not claiming to be a like oh i i know everything it's just you're in, you're inviting you're so inviting and engaging with these these people that come on and then it translates to everyone else. That's why I think, you know, next thing you're like, oh, my God, I've just been on this. I've been watching this for however long, you know, <laughs> and then it and it just you're so engaged in the conversation. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I really am very curious. I've always been a really curious person. And I feel like everybody else's story is far more interesting than mine. So why why wouldn't I want to hear it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we all suffer. Every person suffers as part of life. Uh, Ruth and her friend who came on to talk about suicide, that's the way that they have been experiencing suffering. And there's so many other people who have as well. So why in the world wouldn't you talk about it? It makes me so upset that there's so many topics that we can't talk about. Mm -hmm. Just have an honest conversation, especially people who are good people who just want to understand more. You know, I, I, I just want to understand more about suicide. I want to understand more about eating disorders. Mm-hmm. I had a you know terrible judgment about depression. It was one of those times in my podcast where I went, I really have some really shitty parts of myself that I don't even know I have. Mm-hmm. So let's dig them out and like pull them out by the root. Yeah. I don't want to be a person who has judgment with people. I don't walk in your shoes. How, how dare I assume I know anything about depression for that specific topic. I learned so much about myself by being willing to look at my negative parts and to say, I always thought, well, you can't get out of bed. Well, that wouldn't happen in my house. I got to go. I got to go bottle feed a calf. If I don't get out Mm -hmm. of bed, the calf (laughs) is going to die. So depressed or no, get your ass out of bed. Why can't you do that? Why can't you have a virtual calf that you have to get out of bed for? (laughs) I don't get it. And then, you know, had super serious judgment about depression. Yeah. And after that podcast, I was like, I'm a real, I'm a real asshole. And same with Miss Pat. When I read that book, I allowed it to make me look at the parts of myself that aren't as developed or grown and to be able to say, I don't want to be limited. Yeah. It's not about being bad or dumb or ignorant. I just don't want to be limited. Mm -hmm. So why would I ever limit myself by not asking these questions? Like what really is depression? Yeah. And 
what is your experience of, you know, the, an eating disorder and help me, help me figure it out so that other people listening can figure it out too. I get so many, what makes me so happy is I get so many emails, especially when I talk about my mom, people saying this is my mom. I believe my mom has a borderline personality disorder. Mm -hmm. And when I read this one book, I was like, Oh my God, someone has been spying on my mother <laughs> and ah. written a book about my mother. This is so formulaic. And it's exactly what I experienced. And so many people were like, I had the same moment you had. I was listening to your podcast and went, oh my God, this is my mother. I've got to get that book that Leanne's talking about. And I read the book and it's my mother. And now I have mm -hmm. a path out of my own suffering because I understand what's happening. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, that's the best thing that could happen ever is to just take your own experience and, and help someone else with it in yeah. any capacity. Yeah. It's just, that's just the way you're supposed to live life. I think at standing on stage and talking about how you went to Japan and did not eat fish and wore a sign on your, on your chest that says <laughs> she eats chicken is one of the fun. If you are not talking about that on stage, you are really leaving some meat on the bone. That is amazing. Literally chicken meat on the bone. Oh, yeah. It was not Literally, a good chicken. Oh, you think I said that by accident? Oh, oh, she's a writer. She's yeah. punching me up. I love it. I need it. Well, it's, it's cool. Cause you're just, you're curious. You want to keep learning and I love that you yeah. create a forum for that and you have this awesome approach to life which just there's you know as much as like the word accessible is so like shitty and looked down upon but it's true it's like you're you're open people want to talk to you and you create this awesome safe space that lets them do it and in yeah. wife of the party it's just it's just cool to tune in and and listen to what people have to say so I thank you for that Thank well, you thank you. This. And y'all come to LA and sit on my blue couch. Oh my God. I was, I was looking at that couch being like, whatever. I love that color. I love a really deep, plushy blue. I will 100% take you up on that. And definitely follow Leanne on Instagram so that you can see her bull mastiffs because yes. those dogs <laughs> are, are pretty amazing. I'm just saying. They're big. It's like two they're dinosaurs. wonderful. Thank you so much for being a guest with hey, us, Leanne. Thank you. We love Thank you. Thank you. Love you guys. So nice to meet you. Nice meeting you too. Yeah. Yes. It's time for a specialty cocktail, specialty drink. We're drinking something really southern. I made the drink this week. That's right. I made the drink. Now, because uh, Jules is not with us this week, I had to play bartender. So I can't promise you that this is, oh, I don't know, what's the word? Good? Mm. Yeah. But I'm very excited about this week's cocktail in honor of our very special guest. It is called the Whiskey Peach Smash. Oh, also known as the Kreischer Cocktail. That's right, because James Jules Ferris believes that if you invite a Georgia peach to the show, attention must be paid. 
and served over crushed ice. For this, you will need five to six mint leaves, four lemon wedges, or half a lemon, three peach slices, one ounce curacao, orange curacao, I'm sorry, one ounce orange curacao, two ounces bourbon. Now in a cocktail shaker, you add the mint, lemon, peaches, and muddle. Add the curacao and bourbon, double strain into a rocks glass filled with crushed ice and garnish with mint leaves and a few peach slices. Oh, delicious. Here are Jules's tasting notes. As fall is quickly knocking at the front door, it is time to run to the supermarket and hoard all of the summer seasonal ingredients that are still available. This includes the delicious peach. Oh, Mr. Peach, how I will miss you for the next eight months. But before you leave us, we must surround you with alcohol. This is a variation on the Whiskey Smash, featured on episode 53 of Dear Pod. But in my opinion, it's just better. Why? Peaches! Please pay attention. And the addition of crushed ice just makes this cocktail even more fun. What are you waiting for? Smash some ice, smash a peach, and just get smashed before the warm weather takes its yearly vacation from us and the dark hole of winter consumes every bit of our... Oh, God, wait, oh, sorry. I didn't realize I was using my hot loud voice. Everything's fine! Enjoy! Better the whiskey peach smash. Are you ready? I would cheers you, but it is very full of liquid and we have a lot of electronics on this board. All right, cheers. I'm, I'm bringing my mouth down. Tink, tink. I'm bringing my mouth to the beverage. That's when you know it's very full. <laughs> why do we, why are we so stupid? We do the exact same thing at the exact same time. Like, and it really scares me it's, sometimes. It's the dinner scene at and, and Clue, when they're all having soup. Mm. Well, this is just a lovely, I don't know where you got this recipe, but it's my favorite soup I've ever had. And then I ever tell you that my husband worked in the go, oh, government. One by one. Just... Let me tell you what. This is good. <laughs> this is good. She potent. Oh, I'm going to get fucked. <laughs> This is, you know why this is uh, so... if you don't give me a ticket, I'll fucking you right here in my This trunk. is the southern drink because you think it looks all sweet and saccharine, but she'll say, oh, isn't she just a disgusting whore? Bless her heart. See, that's the southern thing. You say you bless her heart. You could look fatter if you tried. This drink should be called the bless her heart <laughs> because it's sweet, and, but it's got a bite, doesn't it? <laughs> Are I you okay? Not, I shouldn't slurp it. It's the... It's the bourbon. I feel it burn in my chest <laughs> right now. I don't think you're supposed to slurp bourbon. Is it because we like we slugged it too hard? I think it's you're not supposed to like. You're have supposed those to vapors. gently sip. Yeah. Oh my god, the vapors! Oh no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, when you drink it like a lady, it doesn't hurt as much. She's a lady. Oh whoa whoa whoa! whoa. She's, She's a, a bourbon. That is uh that is potent. That is a potent beverage, I'm telling you. That is Don't operate heavy machinery down south after you've had yourself a whiskey peach smash. This is also the kind of beverage that begs to have the H in whiskey (laughs) pronounced. (laughs) Whiskey. But if you get too close to me after I've had one of these, I will blow the hair off your head because it is 100%. But you know what? I can really taste the lemon. Can you? The what?
This episode of Deer Pod is mixed and edited by Jim Ferris and is a property of Pineapple Ranch Productions.